1: Welcome to On the Preds with me your host Alex Darty of A to Z Sports and Sean Smith of On the Forecheck. This is the show where we recap the Preds, we talk about life, we talk about everything that you guys are interested in which is about the Nashville Predators. Welcome into the show, Sean, how's it going, man?
0: Oh, Alex, it's going great. We've uh we've got the uh wait, hold on. Where is it? There it is. We've got our Fred's tree up in the office. There it is. Everything's going really well. Fred's tree. Um, now I, I yep. know. I think
1: I said last time I was going to start decorating the set for, for Christmas. I have not done that yet. I've decorated yeah. it for, for Philip Forsberg, obviously.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's worth celebrating. <clears throat> um, I, I yeah. you know, I guess if you don't have Christmas spirit, you might as well have Forsberg spirit, and that's fine. I'll take yeah. it.
1: Mary Merry Forsbergmas. Yes, I think I think I'll start doing it. I I promise. I think I'll, I'll do it next week. I think next week will be the eleventh. That's two weeks to Christmas. I think that's a good time to start for the show to have a little a, kind of a, a two week Christmas themed show. Um, speaking of show, we have a lot of show today to talk about because the Predators had three games this week. Two of them went very well. One of them not so much, but. Uh, We have a lot to talk about. I mean, I I think the focus of today's show, if you're watching us on YouTube, which, by the way, you should be doing that, we have a YouTube version of this show, which is all video, and uh, and obviously, we have the SoundCloud, the Spotify, iTunes, you can catch us on there as well, but um, if you're watching us on YouTube, you notice we are talking a lot about Philip Forsberg today, and I think because, number one, he had an insane week Mm. with the National Predators, where he was... Uh, he scored a lot of goals, including a game winner and, uh, a couple game winners. And, uh, he also is without a contract going into next season. And so that is a big topic of discussion. It's going to be pretty much all people want to talk about with this team for uh, the next several months. So we're going to cover all of that. Uh, to do that, we have to first recap the week. Sean has helped out this week and he's got uh, Well, he helps out every week, but uh he's helped out especially this week by by recapping um the first two games and then i'm going to take the last one so you want to just go ahead and take it away and tell us about what happened last tuesday in bridge yeah
0: yeah you know let's let's be realistic about this one the uh the game ended six to nothing um it was an all-out predators assault on the blue jackets Elvis Merzlikens got the start in the net for Columbus, but he didn't make it to the end of the first. After three quick goals, two by Forsberg and one by Yakov Trenin, Merzlikens came out in favor of Corpus And while many joked that Elvis had left the building, he sat in a folding chair in the tunnel with a hunk of hunk of burning frustration as he watched his replacement fare no better. Philip Forsberg notched the hat trick and then – added a fourth goal toward the end of the second period. And though everyone hoped for a fifth, Forsberg didn't deliver the goods. How disappointing, right? But but Nick Cousins scored in the third to make the final score six to nothing. And that gave UC Soros his first shutout on the season. And and this is I mean almost like a like a forgotten hat trick and a loss, Mikhail Granland racked up four primary assists on all four of Philip Forsberg's goals. Incredible.
1: In, insane, and I, I was actually going to go find the tweet that Nick Barnowski uh, sent out. Do, do you remember that about that particular stat? Did you see that?
0: Uh, I believe he said that he is the first player to have two, four,
1: two I don't games think with not, four assists. I think he's like I think he's like the third. He he listed a couple oh, other. I'm, I'm looking for right now. Um, uh, I probably should have had that already pulled up, but that's okay. I, I'll, I'll keep looking for it. But but yeah, it, that that was uh, we were both there um watching that unfold was was something else um of course Philip forsberg is the first uh, the the first player since rocco grimaldi to score four uh, and it's the third time that's ever happened eric nystrom did it rocco grimaldi did it Philip forsberg did it pretty big difference between those three players in terms of (laughs) skill and expectation and everything um here we go um Mikhail Grant, this is from Nick Barnowski, who is the uh, the Preds media contact. He's a, a a great guy. You've probably seen him around on some some videos every now and then. Um, but uh, he said one of my favorite stats in from my time in Nashville, courtesy of PR NHL. Macal Granlund had the primary assist on all four of Philip Forsberg's goals. It was the twelfth time in history that one player had the primary assist on each of a teammate's four or more goals. That's happened twelve times. But think about in the span of the league, uh, especially like. Think about early '80s or '80s and '90s, where Wayne Gretzky was scoring four a night, like on on the regular, and uh, and guys like Yari Curry and and yeah. and Mark Messier were were dishing out assists left and right. right. Uh, <laughs> like it's pretty it's pretty amazing to have that happen only twelve times in league history.
0: Yeah, and I think I think what he said was he was the first player on the Predators to do it twice, or maybe the the only. Oh, no. He's got to be the first player to do it yeah.
1: on the Predator um, ever.
0: But I'll, I'll tell you what was really, really, really surprising to me. I mean, you talk about the 80s and 90s. I mean, think about, okay, you've got a guy who's scoring goals. He's on a hot streak. You know, I, that that makes sense. But, I mean, can guys get on assist streaks? I guess they can. You know, you you really have to be locked in with your line mates if yeah. that's what's going to happen. I think, I think that's really a testament to – you know, we've talked a lot, I think, across all platforms of, of Pred's coverage between on the four check, A to Z sports, I mean, anybody else out there about the Forsberg Duchesne Granlin line. Um, you know, we, we saw it for a while, a while back, and, and people were like, this, this would really work if they just stuck mm-hmm. with it. And now that they're sticking with it, I think you're seeing it pay off in spades. It's just absolutely incredible the chemistry between those
1: two. Yeah, let's, let's stick with Mikhail Granlund here for a second uh, because we're going to talk a lot about Forsberg. But should we show the video? Which video? Oh, you know. Art, do, do you think the people are
0: thirsty? Is that what you're telling me?
1: <laughs> let's show this. If you are a Mikhail Granlund fan, uh, get ready because here you go. This is, this is every assist on Philip Forsberg's goal from uh, uh, goals from last Tuesday. It's a kind of a quick video. I had to put it together. Like it's hard to kind of get this kind of thing from just goal videos because they don't always show the assists, but uh, you'll, you'll get the idea. Here you go. Right here, McConnell-Granlund. For Forsberg, look at the battles.
0: This line battling Granlund. What if Opisano gets here, watch. He's got to go up right by the prize. Going to the net, and he tips it.
1: Doesn't quite get it and just taps it in the open net by an outstretched corpus. You know, there's there's some assists that seem like accident, not accidents, but that are just kind of incidental. It's just a guy trying to right. make a play and then a, and then the other guy makes the goal happen. Every single one of those is is just amazing vision by Mikhail Granlund. The the first one. Uh, doesn't look that difficult because he's just, like, kind of getting the puck out of the corner. But the fact that he's able to to get space from that corner and then get it to Philip Forsberg in and the, and the right time where he's able to get in. Now, Forsberg makes a crazy shot there and, and just roofs it. But then the, the second one where he's got he got that insane backhand vision to see, to see Forsberg in the slot. And then the third one where he's, like, <laughs> covered in the slot and does a, a blind backhand pass – and then the fourth one where he's on the blue line and sees him and sends a laser down to the slot. It it's amazing to watch that. Like I don't know if you're just a casual hockey fan, that kind of thing does not happen that often. Like where a guy is completely locked in and then the other guy is also locked in. Like it's just it's it was that was amazing to watch.
0: But I think too if you're a casual hockey fan and you see those put together, I think it, you start to understand you yeah. know the beauty of this game and I think that's what makes you know, goals are nice, right? Every goal is nice. They all look the same on the scoreboard. They're all. Some of them are trickier than others. But gosh, racking up four assists like that and beautiful ones—talk about coming out of the corner! I mean, digging a puck out of the corner—you're usually just trying to get it out, get it to mm-hmm. one of your teammates. Much less set them up for a goal. I mean, that's 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 high quality stuff. And I, I think, you know, if you, Alex, were thirsty going into this, I think your thirst has been slaked. It's I think slaked. you're totally slaked.
1: <laughs> so that was uh, that was an amazing uh, amazing game. Um, six nothing, Columbus just got destroyed, and and I mean, but it, here's the thing: it was you felt a little bit like shots were going in. The the, the the big thing that was happening there was the Preds were finishing, and then we get to two days later against Boston. Thursday night. Let's talk about that one. Give us the recap on that one, and we'll see kind of the difference between you know what what can happen from one night to the next.
0: Yeah, you know, I, and I, I do want to say. Let me add this: was that you mentioned from being at the game or the pre-game skate on Tuesday that it looked like they were focused on transitional play, and I think that transitional play is a lot of what led to that that just offensive assault on on the Blue Jackets. So looking at the Thursday night game against the Bruins, this is kind of what we're we were hoping, I think, that the Preds would employ that same tough neutral zone play against Boston that they played against Columbus. But before that had a chance to really develop, Boston went up one to nothing on a goal by Jake Debrusque. Then a few seconds into the second period Brandon Carlo scored and made it two to nothing. And after that, the defense heavy Bruins uh, took over the neutral zone with a well-designed trap defense that made it near impossible for the Predators to get a clean zone entry or even get set up once they were able to enter the zone. The game ended two to nothing. And the Predators didn't necessarily play a bad game. They just never found the back of the net. Post-game, Ryan Johansson even commented that they needed to find ways to get second and third chances. But a lot of that, I think, can be attributed to the Bruins making it difficult to gain clean entry into the zone.
1: Yeah, they they definitely did not crash the net uh, very much, and uh, I mean, I think the biggest difference between those two games was was just finishing. Like they, they finished on Tuesday, they did not finish on Thursday. Um, overall, I think they played fine. Like, I mean, they, they were they were certainly in the second and third period and on Thursday they were they were the better team. Like they just were kind of overrunning Boston at times. Now Boston was without Brad Marchand, but they still have you know they still have Taylor Hall, still have David Pasternak, still have Patrice Bergeron. So it's like they, they have a lot of skill. Um, I think the other frustrating thing about Thursday is they're playing – what's his name? Jeremy Swayman in net?
0: Yeah. You know. Ooh. You know, world, like a, a
1: guy – go ahead.
0: World-renowned goalie. Jeremy yeah, right. Swayman. Yeah,
1: well-known Jeremy Swayman um, in only his second season. I mean, it's like I don't even think he has like 15 starts in the league. Anyways, that was frustrating too. So, like, they they weren't – they didn't crash the net. I don't think they tested him enough. I mean, he had made some pretty good saves, but um, that was frustrating to, to have that happen on the, on the heels of Tuesday. Right.
0: Yeah. Big time. So. Do you want to, you want to show any uh, goal highlight
1: videos? From that night? <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. no, unfortunately nothing. You know, Johansson Hanson uh, seemed um, seemed, I think his, his assessment of that game was, was accurate. Like they, they were. They did not seem too. I guess upset might be the wrong word, but they they did not seem too frustrated with themselves because they just were like, you know what, we feel like we still played pretty well. Uh, we just didn't finish like we did on Tuesday, and sometimes that's how it works. Um, yeah. So I I, th- I feel like that was that's kind of what happened on on Thursday against Boston. I don't know. I guess they probably go to Boston again at some point.
0: But that's good, right? I mean, that's that's the response you want after a game like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a it wasn't a bad loss where they just played like garbage all night. They right. had a great game. They just didn't score as many or more points than the other team, and they came away with zero points on the night. Um, you know, being realistic, if you if you think about something that that John Hines has been saying for a long time, after a win, don't get too high. After a loss, don't get too low. Take the lessons mm-hmm. and move on. And I think if you can see the team is taking those lessons immediately after the game and not getting too low, that's really what you want because there's no, you don't have to take time out of your, you know, the next day or two you have off to, to refocus. You're already focused on the next game. And I think maybe, you know, that's what we saw because if you, if you look at the results from the last game, you know, there was a pretty good turnaround, I think. I think they took the lessons and they applied them.
1: Right. Uh, by the way, there were also a lot of Boston fans in that building. Ooh, uh, that was that was, was kind of loud. The other thing we were, me and you were talking about uh, do, during the the game that what what Boston was doing is something that a lot of teams do, and and throwing that neutral zone trap. You brought it up in your recap of it. Um, yeah, that's really tough to, to fight against, and for the Predators to be a counter-attacking team, like that's their strength, a transitional counter team that is the way to shut it down is the neutral zone trap you go up one nothing two nothing like that and yeah. uh, it, it can be very difficult for a team like the predators to break through it takes a power play to break the the pattern of everything or a defensive breakdown by the other team or just an incredible individual play like a connor mcdavid type play to get through it it's just very difficult to break if it's if it's well organized and yeah so anyways that that's that's what happened against boston Let's talk about Saturday, though, because that was uh, that was a um, kind of a different game from the both from both of those, honestly, because I feel like there was a there was a lot early on that the the Predators did well. And then Montreal kind of fought back, got a little got a little scrappy there for a little bit, a couple fights in there, Um, but really a nice way to follow up getting shut out at home by getting a, a nice overtime win. So the Preds largely dominate the Canadians throughout the entire game, as we would have liked to see. A couple weeks earlier in Montreal, the secret Matt Duchesne hat game, hat trick game. Um, but the Preds go up one nothing on a deflection by Ellie Tolvenin. Finally, that kid gets some good luck because uh, he needed it. Uh, his only his second goal of the year. Um, Nick Suzuki ties it up on the power play for Montreal. A little bit later, Christian Dvorak gets a goal, and I, I guess I really thought that that was going to be goalie interference looked to me like he shoved Alex Carey into into Soros. We can talk about that if you want to. Um but the refs thought otherwise I I it looked to me like that should be goalie interference. Uh but anyways Tanner Janot ties it up and then the Preds just that when Tanner Janot tied it up that was like a whole um sequence where the the Preds were just completely overhauling the zone. Like they they were they just moved in. Like they were all over the place for like five, to six minutes. Then in the third period, the Preds did not let up. They outshot Montreal 17 to two in the third period. Uh, although Montreal did get a goal on one of those shots, uh, Luke Cunningham had to tie it up to send it to overtime. And from there, just one of the most entertaining and, uh, and just spectacular overtime plays I've seen in a while from this team. We'll show it in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg gets the winner. But did you want to say something about the the Dvorak situation? Yeah, you know, and I, I think
0: I, – I, I was thinking it. I didn't have a lot of people in my immediate vicinity to discuss it with. But between periods and the uh, the media lounge, that was the talk was, you know, yeah. if that's not goalie interference, then why was the situation with Tommy Novak in goalie interference where you're barely <laughs> brushing a glove? It, yeah, The league just well, kind of needs it- to – Get together on this. I
1: think that the, the heart of the matter is that it. I think it's difficult to say how much uh, effort Geno. I'm sorry, uh, Dvorak uh, needed to push Carrier in there. Like his hands were on him. His hands were on him, and he he definitely guides him that direction. It does seem a little bit like Alex Carrier's momentum is just taking him into Soros. Like he he definitely wasn't high enough in the zone to take him away from the goalie. But Dvorak definitely makes that happen. Like if, if Dvorak's not there, Kyrie does not run into Soros. That's the key, no. I think, right?
0: I, I, I agree with you on that 100%. And it's, looking back at the Novak situation, I mean, we're talking about a glove being brushed. And, and what's frustrating, even even Chris Mason, Predators broadcaster and, and you know former goalie for the team said, I wish we had goaltender interference like that when I played. Because yeah. it, it's just—I I don't know—it's—it's it's not enough. I think you know if, if that's not goaltender interference, then there's no way what happened with Novak is goaltender interference. And on, on yeah. in both of those situations, you know that's the difference between winning a game and losing a game, right? Um, yeah. So I I have a really hard time um, when you have that kind of not not inaccuracy, but. Um, there's just no consistency on what that actually is. It's not easily defined apparently. So uh, I don't know. It's, they they need to look at that. They need, that may may be an off season area of emphasis is figuring out what they've been working
1: on that. They've been working on that in the off season, like many, many times. I mean, they, they, they continue to to struggle with how to define that. Uh, But in the end, it didn't matter because uh, the predators, you know, had it tied up in the third, they go to overtime. And then we've got to show this play. So like, there's there's a lot to think about here. I, I think uh, I, I think there's four things that happen that I think are spectacular. Like they, they're just they're just kind of mind blowing how good they are. And I, we'll we'll break it down. But I want to show the play first, then we'll talk about it. Very much, I'll take it. Yossi to Johansson. Johansson's tired. We'll head to the bench. Yossi keeps it moving. Yossi drops it off. Forsberg can't get there.
0: Forsberg looking for the bouncing puck. 17 seconds. Stick drop. Granlund behind the net. To Forsberg. He scores! Yes, sir!
1: Okay. So, <laughs> the first thing that I see is, I mean, so the, the, the lead-in to the play, uh, Montreal had turned it over. And... T- turning over, turning the puck over in, in overtime is a bad, bad news bears. Really? Uh, Yossi sees a, a, an opportunity. And they'd had it
0: for a long
1: time. Yeah. They'd had it for a while. Yossi skates through and just, I mean, he, he looks like a, he's an amazing skater all the time and he skates through with a ton of confidence, but he just sees the holes as, as no other player does really. And at the same time, Johansson, who has been, uh, who's been out there a while, has to get off. He's really struggling to get off there. Granlund comes out at the right time. But then the real, the real magic happens when Forsberg gets the chair. The, Yossi makes that drop pass. Forsberg can't quite get to it. But he doesn't give up, and he just uses his physicals, his size, his strength, his reach, his stick, his glove, everything he can to keep the play alive. Finds it, gets it out to Granlund. Gets his stick caught and then knocked to the ice, goes back and picks it up at the exact time Cranlund finds him on the back door, and he just rifles one by uh, by Jake Allen. Um, which which part of that play is your is your favorite part? I mean, I, I I'm struggling to figure out which part's my favorite because it's all pretty incredible.
0: Let let me say this as as someone who's sitting in the arena at, as this is happening. Um, <clears throat> there's this element of, of seeing a play developing from up, you know, kind of a bird's eye view almost where we are. And you can see that Granlin's got that puck in, 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 my head, I go, Oh no, he's going to get it to Forsberg. It's going to be a perfectly wide open shot because they've left him alone and he's not going to have a stick. And that's, yeah. that's my big concern. And then <laughs> miraculously when that pass comes, yeah. that sticks in his hands. And I, I had stopped honestly, I've watched the replay several times, um, but when watching it live, I went, oh, no, what's going to happen away from Forsberg because they're not even paying attention to him. He's going to be stuck in this trying to pick up his stick situation. The ga- I mean, game's almost over. I mean, we're about to go and do a shootout. And what's what's funny, you know, he could have put his hands up. He could have called for, for some kind of interference or just like, hey, knock knocked the stick out of my hands. And if that happens and they that game goes into shootout, but he doesn't do it. He's like – he reads the situation. He's like, all right, I'm getting this stick, and boom, pops it in. And to me, what's – my favorite part is how they left – you talk about people leaving Ovechkin alone at the, uh, at the top of the circle on the power play. They left Forsberg alone um, without a stick, and I guess <laughs> you can't do yeah. that. Not not if the stick's not broken. You can't use a broken stick, but you can definitely use one that's been knocked to the ground. He picks it right back up. Right where he needs to be, and just taps, pops it in. It's it's game over, and and that to me, just that whole concept of let's skate away from the biggest threat on the ice when the best passer we have on the team is ready to pop the puck back to him. That that's well, the best. I think.
1: Thing. I, I think the the key to them abandoning him was more about. Um, I think because they they saw Granlund come, you know, coming uh, around the, the back of the net, and so I, I guess they they figured that he was going to try for the wraparound or he was going to try to get it to the front of the net. There was they were just trying to get there. Um, I, okay, I just want to say this: the the skill, it's. I don't want people to think about, or I don't want people to forget that the skill that it takes for Forsberg to, in in I mean. Two seconds, maybe I don't know how long it was, maybe two seconds, to I find where his stick is, pick it up and get his hands in the right position to make a shot that is such a tough angle. Because in order to do that, you have to have your hands in a very specific place on the on, on the stick. You can't it can't you can't be too low on the stick. If you're too low on the stick, you're gonna either miss the puck or it's gonna sail wide. If, if if you don't have your hands in the exact right spot to make that shot. Which, which I'm sure Forsberg practices a hundred times, a million times a day. Uh, the skill to do that is so incredibly tough. Like I, how how he's able to to make that that play happen in that just. I think that's my favorite part is the the identifying where his stick is on the ice, which by the way is also can be challenging because it's ice. It can be anywhere. He turns around, finds it, picks it up, waits for the pass, and makes the shot. All in like this one fluid motion. Uh, you know people have found clips of of players scoring goals where they're, where they're skating by the be- they, they drop their stick or their stick breaks, they skate by the bench and someone hands them a stick out the side. Those are great. Those are easier than what he did because when you're skating by the bench, you're upright, right? You're upright you have a, you have another couple of seconds to gain your to get your stick, get your hands in the right position and then go into the zone and score a goal. He didn't have that. He had to bend over, get it, pick it up, then come up and then the puck is basically on its way. Like it was much less time, a much trickier play to make. Um, I don't want to overstate it and say it's like the best play I've ever seen or anything, but it's just a level of skill that no one else does. Like you, don't, you, you can't make that play uh, happen with any other player uh, hardly. I mean, like there's a few out there, but it's just such a level of like intense skill that just blows my mind. You, do you know why that stands
0: out to you so much, though? And that's something that went right over my head. Is because you play hockey. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't Maybe. play hockey. I, I, I didn't even think about those things. In my head, it's just like, get stick, make shot. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you're thinking of all these other technical things, and I, I almost want to see it again just to watch that because of what you just explained. I think. Very much. I'll take it.
1: Yossi to Johansson.
0: Johansson's tired. We'll head to the bench. Yossi. Keeps it moving. Yose drops it off. Forsberg can't get there. Forsberg looking for the bouncing puck. 17 seconds. Stick drop. Granlett behind the net. To
1: Forsberg he scores! Yes! Sir! You don't have to tell me twice to play it again. Uh <laughs> it was about, I think it was about okay. five seconds. I guess he had about five seconds there. Um to, to go grab it. And then you can see when he grabs it, he has to get his, ang- his, uh, his hands really, really tight because like you basically want your hands to be kind of, um, what's the word? Per- perpendicular. I guess I, I can't either. I think it's perpendicular mm-hmm. to the goal line so that you can have a good angle to make that shot, man. It, it, it just, just an incredible yeah. play, but let's not forget Mikhail Granlund. That, that was a great pass. I mean, yet another incredible pass by Mikhail Granlund. So, um, yeah,
0: that's, that's what he does.
1: Yeah, so I mean,
0: incredible uh, primary assists.
1: <laughs> he's got 21 of them on the season. Well, 21 assists overall, uh, which puts him tied for third in the league. Conor McDavid has 26. Drysaitel has 22, and then Granlin, Huberdeau, and Kadri have 21. So he's he's among the the best assist men in the league right now. Uh, that is just so good to see if you're the Predators because they they. Went through the Fiala thing, and then he comes over. He doesn't blend with Laviolette very well, and then we don't know about John Hines. And then they sign him. Are they going to trade him? Sign him? What are they going to do? Uh, it's working out now, and it's it's a, it's really good to see that.
0: Yeah, wow. I, mean, I mean he he signed a a one year contract last season, right? Last season, yep. You know he was an unrestricted free agent. He he tested the market and ended up coming back for one season. Um, had a good enough season that he wanted to come back for more, and I think that's and you know he's
1: it's paying off. And I think I think you know his contract he had, he signed this past year, which you know we're going to talk about contracts in a second with Forsberg, uh, but but Granlund's you know if you remember a, a lot of people wanted to trade Mikhail Granlund at the deadline because yeah. the team wasn't going to make the playoffs even though they did, and they you know they need to get assets from him. And, and people thought they wouldn't be able to re-sign him because they still had to sign Eckholm and obviously Forsberg. I, I think David Paul had to overpay a little bit. Now, it, some would argue that $5 million a year for Mikhail Granlin is not an overpay, but considering that he'll be, what, 33 by the time that contract's over and still making $5 million, maybe a little bit of an overpay. But if he continues the way he's going right now, it's going to be a value to the team. So um, it, th- that's pretty incredible to watch. So, All right. Let's talk about Philip Forsberg, because okay. that guy, let's see. He's got 11 goals in 15 games. He's He missed a number of games already, and he's, like, uh, basically second. Is he second on the team in goals? Yeah, second on the team in goals behind Duchesne. The guy scored five goals this week in, in three games. And there's a lot there, – there's been a, a lot out there – about trading philip forsberg and i have i have an opinion about it that i just want to go ahead and get out there and that is that i don't think that they should trade philip forsberg and i think that they should re- sign him for whatever he wants i think that they have the money to do it i think that they're in the, the position as an organization to secure their best individual offensive player their their be- sorry their best individual goal scoring threat in terms of like he is the guy that he, if you give him more chances. If you give if you give everybody on the team the equal amount of scoring chances, he's going to be the one to score more of the goals than anybody else because he's just that good. I think they need to try. Uh, they they do not need to trade him. I think they need to hold him for this year and probably make the playoffs uh, and and have him as their their best individual goal scoring threat. Uh, I think they could make some noise in the playoffs with the team that they with the team as currently constructed, and they need to re-sign him. And I we'll talk about his v- contract value in a minute, but uh, I don't think that there's any way they can't re-sign him. I, I think that they have the money to do it. So um, I'm curious your thoughts on it. I, I have a feeling I know where you lead uh, lean, but uh, that that's what I think. I think I think no on trade, yes to re-sign. I'm. I want you to tell me where you think I stand. on. I think he might be along the same lines as me. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not sure if you think he should be resigned, but I don't think that you think we should we should trade him. Uh, no, I don't. I, you know, I, I've been I've been accused,
0: Alex, numerous times of being a homer.
1: Uh-huh. And, uh huh.
0: And I'll I'll tell you, it's, you know, I, I write for on the forecheck. You know, we are uh, fan driven, and of course, I'm a fan of the team. So I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh yeah, you know, the trade value, blah. Yeah, he's probably got a lot of trade value, and that's great. But you know, if I think about what's best for the Predators, what's best for what I'm going to see on the ice for the next several years, signing Forsberg is the best thing you can do. Um, and, you know, and and to be to be completely honest here, you know, what's he making per year right now? I don't have it in front of me. Six, um, six. It's six. It's six million. So. Even if you're going to pay him more per year, it's not going to impact your bottom line that much because you're you're already paying six million a year. If you're going to pay eight million a year, it's just two million more per year, and that's think, you know you you can budget for that.
1: So the here's how the numbers break down. So he signed a six year six million dollar contract six years, roughly six years ago. That's about to run up, run out. Uh, I think most people think he will make at least nine. If he if he was to go to the free agent market, um, he would make at least nine million. Now here here there's there's another part to this. I, I I Philip Forsberg has some say in the matter. You know if he if he doesn't get traded, he can go wherever he wants. And there's there's a lot to be said for you know maybe he wants to just see what the other options are out there. Maybe he wants to maybe he would consider going to the New York Rangers or something like that. Or maybe he'd consider going to to Edmonton or Calgary or. Philadelphia, I don't know. Maybe he wants to consider the options out there. That's obviously, you know, fine. But like the predators can't control that. I think that they can control what they offer him right now. And I think if they offered him a $10 million a year contract, it would be very hard for him to turn that down. Looking at the numbers for the where the cap situation is next year for the predators, they've got the money to do that. They got rid of Ryan Ellis. Well, got rid of. They, they traded Ryan Ellis. They traded Victor Robertson for the sole purposes of re-signing Matias Ekholm and potentially Phil, excuse me, Philip Forsberg. They've got around, right now, assuming a flat cap, which I think is the assumption, $26 million in cap space. Here's some of the other names that they would have to re-sign uh, in addition to Philip Forsberg. I don't know. I, I can't think of any of these players that would re-sign. Nick Cousins, okay. Matt, Matt Benning, Mark Borwiecki, Ben Harper. Those are the other UFAs. The, to me, it's an 0 for 4. I don't think you re-sign any of those guys. Maybe Matt Benning.
0: Okay. Now, see, I was I was going to say Matt Benning, but I also have to be realistic about the defensive prospects in the All system. Right, and, right
1: and also Dave, Dave Riddick. David Riddick. That, that's, yeah, the five, I, that's the five UFAs other than Forsberg – that they could potentially just see walk in the summer. I you've, I don't I wouldn't be if if I was David Boyle, I would let every one of those walk.
0: You've got to assume that Connor Ingram is the backup goalie next season. I yes. that that's got to be the plan. Yeah. Um I feel like the plan originally had been for him to be the backup goalie this season. Um yeah. but since that that didn't work out, I think the plan now is David Riddick is in there as a, you know, stopgap measure for one season. You bring Ingram in next season. I love Matt Benning. Um, I'll, I'll make no uh, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it. He's one of my favorite players on the team. And unfortunately I feel like with you look at the defensive prospects in the system, you've got your, you've got, you've got Ferentz, you've got Davies you know, you're going to have to make room for them at some point. And I don't think it's going to be anybody that's in the top four right now. So it makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I I think not to interrupt, but I was just going to say you you could also probably re-sign someone pretty fairly cheap. Uh, Find a Mark Mark Borwiecki out there, a veteran guy that you could sign for a million dollars in case you don't want to go with those guys. But I think that the point I'm trying to make here is that they have $26 million in cap room next year. Right. And you can take almost all of that to re sign Forsberg. Now, he's not going to make $26 million next year, but a $10 million contract a year, and I'm talking about cap hit, not salary, but a $10 million cap hit for Philip Forsberg, how could he say no to that when there are, I looked it up before we started the show, there are only 13 guys that have a, a cap hit of, of $10 million, uh, north of $10 million this year. Here are some of those names Connor McDavid. Austin Matthews, Artemi Panarin, Eric Carlson, Mitch Marner, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Andre Kopitar—those are the names. Philip Forsberg wants to be in the list of those names. Sign, sign this contract right now. You'll be one of the thirteen highest-paid players in the league.
0: And You're right, and they can do it. And yeah, you got to think too. Take take some of the other off-ice factors. You know, Forsberg is engaged to a woman from the South. You know, he's putting down roots in that sense. Um, you know, if he were to get married and then sign a contract somewhere else, uh, assuming he would be pulling his his new wife away from her family in the South, Forsberg is a man of uh, of he doesn't do a lot of crazy stuff off the ice and he has simple tastes. He likes to play his video games. Yeah, likes to mess around at home. I mean, he's not some big big like I got to go out and party and in, in town. He's he like he's kind of a homebody. He enjoys the pleasures of home, and I think. You know, when you take someone who is attracted to the glitz and the glam, yeah, maybe New York sounds, ooh, I could, I could go to New York. I could be a star in New York. But I haven't seen anything out of Forsberg that says, I want to go out and, and live this ritzy, fancy, luxurious life in some big city. Yeah. So you think about uh, another Swedish player like Matthias Ekholm, I mean, he's made comments several times. He's like, I already have enough money to last me for the rest of my life. I'm a very simple yeah. person. Um, and and speaking has- speaking dying, of Ekholm... Ekholm's son is, is Forsberg's favorite person, and Forsberg's favorite person is Ekholm's son. So you can't take him away from Villiam. It wouldn't work out.
1: Uh, yeah, that's very true. I think culturally also the Swedish players um, tend to all kind of um, follow that same uh, mindset of being you know, pretty content with their success as it comes. Like not – not wanting for more, not, 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 uh, trying to be some, some like superstar or whatever. I mean, you know, Henrik Lundqvist is like kind of known as being this, like, you know, the the all time greatest Swede in in New York. He's the King of New York. Right. But like that guy would not ever act like he owned anything. I mean, like that, that guy, he's such a humble down to earth kind of guy. Um, and even when he re signed that contract in washington was it was more about like just seeing if he could play again um and anyway so I guess my point is it, it culturally uh, philip forsberg fits that fits that uh that mold as well um and i i think uh if if David Poyle were to go to forsberg's camp and say here's ten million dollars a year um for Six years? I don't know. Maybe maybe five, but maybe six. Probably not the max seven. Um, That it would be tough for him to turn that down, I would think, and because you just don't know. Now, I think he probably would assume that other teams could probably offer ten, but you just don't know, and you don't know exactly what other teams are going to offer, and the the fit might not be right. You know, like some some team like New Jersey, New Jersey comes and says, "We want to sign you for ten million dollars a year." If, if I'm him, I I would be like I would have a lot of questions about that because it'd be yeah. like I, I don't want to sit in the bottom of the the Eastern Conference for five more for the next five years. So I don't know. That I think they should not trade him. I think they should re-sign him. They've got plenty of money to do it, and uh, that's 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 just what I think. I, I, let me also mention. because uh, I keep forgetting this. They did have they do have other RFAs that are expiring next year. Uh, Luke Connan... Tommy Novak, Jakob Trennan, those are those are not big. Those are teams. Those are players. I think they should resign, but the numbers on those are going to be yeah. much less. I mean, those are going to be yeah, a million, million and a half, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so. it's not going to have as big of an impact financially. So
1: yeah. Um, okay, let's talk real quick about uh, you wanted to talk about. Something about being hard to play against, and then we—I do want to cover the stadium series thing, not much, but I, I want to cover the jersey thing. But uh, I, what,
0: what I have that, to say is fairly brief, and it's—it's it's just this, and you know, I, when the team hired Dan Hyno, they—we—we we got a chance to talk to him via Zoom. I think the day they—they they signed the contract, and um, I was really impressed with something he said early on, and that was that and I think I've probably repeated this a thousand times, I feel like a broken record, but he said that if you do all the little things right for the entire game, then you're going to start to see things open up at the end of the game. And, and that idea really lines up with this whole concept of being hard to play against that the team wants. And what's interesting to me is I, I remember that sticking out to me in that interview um, from over a year ago. And last night after the game, when we were talking to Philip Forsberg, he made the he made this comment. And if I get it a little bit off, I'm sorry, but I think I've got it. He said, everybody drive or everyone drives all night on the team. Everyone drives all night. And eventually they won't be able to keep up with us. And mm-hmm. I think what what you're really hearing is you're starting to hear that mentality or that idea being embraced by the team. The, you know, and this is your this is your premier goal scorer on the team saying that saying, talking about grinding, talking about finishing your checks and, and doing all of the things you're supposed to do that will eventually open up the ice as the game goes on because you're wearing the other team down. That was a hard fought game that uh, against the Canadians. That wasn't, they didn't roll over. They made it really right. hard, but yeah, eventually they slipped up right at the end. And that's when they were able to pounce and capitalize when it really matters. And so I think, you've seen a lot of, you know, guys scoring goals and going back to the bench and seeing high note, you know, you know, patting them on the back, shaking them, congratulating them and everybody getting fired up. I think he he chest bumped somebody and everyone says like, you know, who is this guy? Well, I think there's a lot behind what he's doing that is driving this team to be who they are. And I think it was a really good hire and I, I was excited about it from the start, but I think other people are starting to notice now. And I, I think that's what you want out of this team moving forward. This team's built for being hard to play against and they're really embracing it.
1: I think it's a, it was a big hire because I think, you know, you, you always need a, a, a coach on the team. You need at least one coach on the team that's played in the league, which, you know, lobby, Le had that poor uh, you know, check played. And I think the uh, Dan Muse play. And no, I don't think Dan needs played. He, he was not a very good coach anyways, but, uh, but Dan Hino played, you know, a number of years in Colorado and St. Louis and I think the key to him playing in the league is that he played more recently. Right. Yeah. So he played in a very, uh, at a, at, a, at, a, at a, during an era that was extremely defensively oriented. I mean, the early two thousands before the lockout, I think is right. when he mostly played, he, he played a very physical game. Uh, and I think that, that leads to what you're talking about is, is he, he knows yep. what it takes to, to, to physically gain an edge over the opponents. And yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think that we are, we are seeing that and, and that concept that you talked about about Forsberg saying that we drive every game or everyone drives hard or whatever it was. Everyone Everybody drives drive. all night. Everyone likes to drive my car, something like that. Maybe you um, can drive my car. Maybe you can drive my car. Whatever that quote was, uh, I think is is definitely right on. Um, okay, briefly, the Stadium Series jersey. Um, full disclosure. And I've said this before on several different preds podcasts that I've hosted. I am not a jersey or fashion person. I just don't. I, I when I see people talking about fashion or talking about clothes, like I just see uh, it. It doesn't. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. People talk about it, colors and lines and patterns and stuff. I. I mean, I, I guess I sort of see why people wouldn't like this one. I don't really care. I'm. I, I wouldn't buy one anyways. But um, I did like the Winter Classic jerseys. I think those looked pretty cool. And I think maybe the comparison between that one and this one is like just the the, the contrast is what's blowing people away. What did you think about them? I, I if I remember correctly, you didn't like them, right? Well, here's the
0: thing. Um, I was driving in to uh, cover the actual jersey release. Um, and I was was on the phone as I came into Nashville uh, with my wife and we were talking. I said, I'm almost there. I guess I'm going to be there kind of early. I didn't realize that traffic was so different at this time. Um, Got off the phone right before I went to park, and and going into the parking garage, I lived in a world where there was no Stadium Series jersey. Coming out of the parking garage...
1: (laughs) Everything exploded.
0: Just They released a video with Pecorine uh, (laughs) and Promoting it. And I'll just say this, the lighting in that video was off. Um, It didn't look quite right. I think it really put a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And I I got down there. I was excited. I mean, you know, this is a big reveal. I I mean, who's, who's not excited except for Alex about a new Jersey. Um, And I, I, I I sent out a tweet about, Hey, I'm really excited to come bring, you know, bring you this news. And just the replies I got were go back home. It wasn't worth <laughs> leaving. Work. And I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? But, you know, they here's when I saw it up close. And, and again, um, I, I was right in front of the stage. I saw it on Terry Crisp and I looked. I thought it looked fine. Okay. I thought it looked fine. I thought it looked a lot better in person than it did on uh, Pecorino in that video. It had something to do with the lighting. Um, okay. And then they had, they had one up in the media lounge. And I was able to get a really good up close look at it. They said that those were the only two uh, that exist right you try now. On? You no, try it on? No, um, no, because uh, it, it was not Sean sized, and that's fine. They,
1: they um, might keep. They might kick you out for that.
0: They thought I they would have thought I was trying to steal it. I'm sure, but um, <laughs> you know, it. I took some pictures of of some detail, and if you look, and I don't know how to explain, if you look at the detail, it's really nice detail. The pick looks really good. Uh, the patches on the sides look really good. Uh, I, I like the numbers. They're stadium-style numbers. They're big numbers. They're supposed to be big. People have said, oh, they look like the Pittsburgh Steelers numbers. Well, guess where the Pittsburgh Steelers play? In a stadium. And that's where the Predators are going to play. You know
1: what? I, I, here's, I think here's the heart of where I'm at with jerseys and stuff. I am all about practicality. If I can see the numbers and read the numbers well, it's a good jersey. I like it.
0: Okay. Well, the I mean, numbers honestly, are going to
1: be big. If I know what team it is, what their main colors are, and who it is, who the player is, then it's a, a excellent jersey. If any, if any of those three things are violated, then it's not a good jersey to me. Okay. That's that's how I'm at with it. I'm, well, pra- I'm practical over fashion every day.
0: The numbers are big, and the colors you'll you'll know who it is. People yeah. have taken umbrage with the. Uh, with the way it says smash the fact that it says smashville and the fact that the letters aren't all the same size. And I, I think realistically, it's a one-off Jersey, the color scheme I think is great. The detail work is nice. Maybe people don't like the way it's all come together, but the the more I look at it and the more I'm exposed to it, and I've probably been exposed to it a bit more than your average Joe. And now they have one down in the, uh, they have one down in the, in the, the Preds locker room team shop at the arena. I saw that last night too. Um, and I heard a lot of people saying, "Well, it's not as bad in person,
1: it's huh, not as bad
0: okay. in person." So I think it's going to be one of those. It's definitely not going to be um, in the, you know, the number one, like uh, Hall of Fame jersey, like uh, uh, like the Mustard Cat for sure. It's obviously right. the best jersey in franchise history. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. I, I definitely think that it will become, you know, a collector's item, something popular, something sought after. So that, that's kind of how I see that.
1: Yeah. That puts a wrap on that. Let's talk about the week ahead just briefly. The Predators have four games, well, three games this week, and then they have a game next Sunday as well. We'll do a show before then. But Tuesday at Detroit, they go on the road. Tuesday at Detroit, that is not going to be an easy game. The Detroit Red Wings are actually not that bad. They're pretty good. they got some good young players. Lucas Raymond, um, they, got, they got they got some good players. Uh, Thursday at New York Islanders, going to see the old boss. And Friday at the New Jersey Devils. Maybe P.K. Subban there. I don't know. Uh, anyways, th- three games that are very winnable, um, but not easy. They're definitely not in, in any way easy. So it's going to be a tough road trip for the Predators as they go up in the northeast. And then they finish off that road trip Sunday at New York Rangers, 6 p.m. start. For, uh, so a lot of 6 and 6.30 starts. So earlier starts this week for, for you people noting that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, you had a final thought on something that you're disappointed yeah. with in me. To yeah, I want I'm I'm to be honest here. You
0: know, it's uh, we're well into December. It's um, waiting on some Christmas decorations in the studio here. You, you can see I've got my Preds tree up. Look, I even wore a festive shirt. I've got my Have a Holly Dolly Christmas shirt on.
1: Yeah, I know. I, 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 I said that earlier. I, I think next week I will decorate. Next week okay. I'll decorate.
0: Okay, I just you know the place could use some sprucing up. I like all the Philip Forsberg love, but you know let's let's get some let's get some lights, let's get some decor.
1: Okay, I, I will not disappoint you next week with my decor. Okay. I, I can assure you that. In fact, it might be overload. You're you're going to be like, that's what I want. It's, it's going to be it's going to be way too much. If I'm uh, not
0: distracted, there's a problem.
1: We actually saw that we went to see the Grinch. My my daughter had a birthday party at the movie theater last night. It was a lot of fun. We got to rent a whole movie theater. Her friends from school came. Uh, and we, when you do that, you have an option to choose some older movies. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we, we did the uh, 2018 animated uh, Grinch, still, the Grinch movie. Yeah. Very good. I was surprised. It was actually pretty good.
0: Had you not seen that one before?
1: No, I'd never seen the, the 2018 one. I remember wow. seeing the Jim Carrey one, like, when was that, like 2000 or something?
0: Uh, yeah. That was un- on. That was on. Really I was uh, uncomfortable the whole time.
1: Yeah, that one was really bad. But this one was good. I enjoyed it. Very good. Very good stuff. Okay. You can check out all of our hockey coverage at a to com. Go take a look at the 4 checkcom as well. I know Sean recently wrote a lot on there, uh, covering the team there. So go check that out. Uh, follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1. Follow Sean on Twitter at SCSOTF. And we will see you next week.